Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh man, yo, give it up for uh, the prophet of the house, Zach Kramer. He preached a fire word last week and held it down for us. If you haven't listened to it, you need to. I needed to. We all need to. But man, good morning. How we doing? Survive Snowpocalypse 22? Come on. Anybody remember uh, Polar Vortex like four, four or five years ago? Oh man, silly. We were born for this, weren't we? Come on, we're in Michigan. We are Michiganders. Come on, somebody. We love it here. We're shaped like a mitten for a reason. Why? Because we're going to be in the snow. Amen? No, it's because when God was done, he was like, I'm finished. And he just, kidding, <laughs> kidding. We love it, though. We love it. Hey, uh, I do want to say this real quick before we get started. Um, Adrian and I, I didn't put in a praise report because I wanted to just say this, but Pastor Adrian and I, um, we... Just want to say thank you, one, for sharing us with our good friends at King's Church in NYC. Uh, this last weekend, we had the privilege of going and administering the gospel and, and imparting what the Lord is doing in our midst, in this church, in this house, in the uh, financial district of New York City. And uh, it was incredible. It was a privilege. It was an honor. I am terrible at talking about the cool things the Lord is doing because, um, you know, Matt and the Lord have worked a long time to kill Matt's pride, and so I don't ever want to even give a foothold to the devil. So understand that I'm saying this in the fear of the Lord. Um, I'm grateful for what he did in NYC. I'm grateful for, to be a part of it. I'm grateful that we're not fighting the good fight of faith alone. Amen. But we have got brothers and sisters in other states and other places that are running this race alongside us. Amen. And uh, I just want to say this too. I'm so grateful that you're here. And I, there's no place like home for me. If I'm going to go, it's going to be because I feel led to go for a moment. But I am, I am itching, and I am ready, and I am chomping at the bit to be back here. Ask Adrienne. I was unbearable this week. So I was like, I was like we got to go turn the heat on at church. Matt, it's Friday. Yeah, I know, but i got to be there. Like, so I've been, I've been looking for reasons to be here today. So y'all ready for the Word of God? Come on, we are continuing our series, Pierce the Veil. Have you been blessed by this series so far? Come on, Pierce the Veil. Well, this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, you ready? Okay, on or around your seat, there is like a prayer journal, so feel free to steal that. That's for you. Um, you can have that. It's not really stealing, I guess, if I gave you permission. But uh, if it makes you feel better about taking it, you can, sinner, uh, you can steal it. But uh, that's for you. Feel free to take notes. We're a note-taking kind of church um, in Plus, I'm a, I'm a wild man, so you need to write down what I'm saying when I'm saying it so you can catch it because there's a chance I'm not going to remember that I said it. So, great, great. Somebody's like, who is this joker? It's all good. I've been asking the Lord that for a long time. But the title of my message today, you ready? Reformation unto revival. Reformation unto revival. Now, I never, I never preach the same message twice, not now, not never, and I'm not starting today. Um, I did, was asked for a specific, a specific assignment when I went to the Spirit and Truth Conference, and that was to bring the Holy Spirit and to, and to bring that, what the Lord is doing in our midst, and impart it into their church and their people. Um, and hopefully, by the glory of God, that happened. However, uh, it did give me some... I felt like there was parts in that message that our church and our region and our place needed to hear. However, it is a completely different message because the, this is what me and the Lord do. You know, I don't, I don't want to recycle revelation. I just want to go back to the table. Amen? And so it's my encouragement to the church at large and to you as Christians, don't, don't live and rest off secondhand revelation. Secondhand revelation will kill a Christian quicker than secondhand smoke, okay? Secondhand revelation is no good. We just keep going back to the table. We keep going back to the word. We keep going back to church. We keep going back to his presence, amen? Come on, if you start getting bored with Jesus, you got to start asking, what have I let in? What is spoiling my appetite? What have I been hungering and thirsting for and feeding on that is not him, Amen. All right, Reformation unto revival. You got your Bibles? Who loves their B-I-B-L-E? How many of you know the book is the, the Bible is the book for me? I wasn't even raised in church, and I know that one. Come on, guys. All right, Acts 2, 1 through 13. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Somebody give it up for Kenny and Adrian holding it down in the booth. Oh, man. 
And if you're watching online, I'm not coming for you today. I understand that you probably made some choices because you were snowed in. Um, however, I would just say the word of the Lord for you is to buy a big truck and uh, get to church. Amen. Come on, somebody. All right, Acts 2, 1 through 13. If you're there, say I'm there. All right. When the day of Pentecost arrived, somebody say Pentecost. Now, say it with your chest. Say Pentecost. Come on, somebody. There we go. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled. Somebody say filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Somebody say, God, rid me of myself and fill me with you. Come on. We were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered, befuddled, completely confused, because each one of them was hearing them in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not, are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in their own native language? We have the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and a bunch of other words I'm going to skip because I am in West Michigan and I cannot enunciate those things. Maybe talk to uh, Phil or Kayla after service who are really good at dialects and tongues. Um, you know, I'm still out here like shit about a hundred shit about a Kia. You know what I'm saying? Um, but both Jews and proselytes and Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty work of God. Verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed. Come on, who, who loves when God amazes you and perplexes you? Man, he, that's all he does. Everything he does is miracles. Saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking, saying, ooh, they must be filled with new wine. All right. We're going to pray, and we're going to open that up, and we're going to let the Lord do a work in us. Amen? Come on, somebody. Father God, oh, Father God, we just we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are in this room dwelling among us right now. Just building myself up, just building myself up. Tongues are for edifying the body. Jesus' name. Father God, we just love you today. We just love you today, God. Father, right now, would you just, oh man, God, would you break me open? Would you break me open, God? Preaching your word is so much easier when you just break my bones open, God, and you just let you flow. Father God, today I just join with all of heaven and I say continue to kill Matt so Jesus can live. Father, continue to lay us all to rest so that your son can live through us. Father, today we come to you as clay so we can be reshaped and reformed back into your Imago Dei, your image, your likeness, your people. Today, God, that's all we care about. Lord, you're making me emotional in front of my friends. Father... God, I just ask right now that you would just do what only you can do. Not, at a, not an emotional experience, not a religious experience, but God, today we would just enter into that intimate place with you where everything that is still so sinful and still so broken and still un, unsanctified back into your image and likeness, God, would just burn away in your glory. God, you still bring beauty from ashes, and God, so much of Matt is ash. Father, we just lay ourselves down before you today. If we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. The bride and the spirit, we say, come. Equip us, love us, change us. God, today we say we will leave this place, and we will be your hands and your feet. We will be your bride. We will be your image, your likeness, your light in the darkness in this earth, God. We're still called to it. We're still called to Michigan. No matter what has happened here the last two weeks politically, God, we are running into the darkness. We do not fray. We do not shrink back, God. We thank you that the Holy Spirit gives his, his people steel in their spines for the fight ahead of us, God. 
Father, we reject any spirit, any spirit from hell that would tell a Christian to run to a red state simply so they would get along and fit in better. No, God, we reject that spirit. We proclaim today, God, that when you gave us the armor of God and he told us to put it on, it had no backplate on it because the Christian doesn't run. The Christian doesn't take fire from behind because we only advance. We only go forward. Today, God, prophetically right now, I speak to the room, the people in this room right now, God, and I say we have no backplate. We have no backplate. We have no cowardice in us. In fact, we are filled with the spirit that raised the Lion of Judah from the grave. So today, God, we enter into your veil, we enter into your presence, and we say, make us like you. And if we felt like shrinking back, if we felt like running, if we felt, by, if we felt back by leaving here, God, to an easier place, and an easier state, and an easier life, God, we repent. We turn from our ways. In fact, we dig in more. God, I say today that you are going to give us words of knowledge about property we are to buy, not just as a church, but as Christians, that we would have stakes in this land, that we would have our inheritance in heaven be mirrored about the land and the, and the, and the territory we took here, God. Father, we are serious about your business. It's who we are. Today, God, Give us those words. Give us words for our neighbor. Let the prophetic move between us. Yes. Make big Christians, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, the Lord's already at work, so I'm just going to try and be obedient. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I think it's easy right now. I think it's easy right now to look into the world, and the whole reason we're in a series called Pierce the Veil is because we are in a time and a place in society, in the world at large, and in the church, where, man, it is time for Christians to learn to occupy the presence and the intimacy of Lord Jesus again. Like right now, there is no safer place to be than in the shadow of the cross. There is no greater place to be found than in the word of God. There is no better place, more protected place, more equipping place, no place that you will go and get fed and built up and, and just leave, not just necessarily with an emotional, I'm all fire, but a certainty in your bones that you are on mission for Christ. And if you are on mission with him, you are co-missioning with him and you are co-missioned to go out with him and he is with you in everything that you do. Amen? Amen? Because you are with him in all that you do. And so the whole reason, if you're new with us, it's called Pierce the Veil this season is because, man, the Lord's been doing something in our midst, and I don't want to just have the veil in the thin place here where miracles are happening. I don't want to just have it for a season. I don't want to just live in this tender moment, this tender place with Jesus for a season. I don't want to look back five years from now and go, do you remember the winter of 2022 where Jesus kept showing up in our midst? No, I want to learn to steward it so well that we can occupy it forever. I want to honor God with everything that we have, everything that we are, so that we can continually go into that place with him as a community, knowing that what he has in his throne room where Jesus rules, where he reigns, that throne of David like we've been talking about, that place where he sits and he rests and he rules and he reigns and he prays and intercedes to the Father on your and my behalf, that place, Paul tells us that what is there where Jesus is rested, where Jesus is seated is available to every believer and that is the mission of the church. And right now, in Reformation unto Revival, Reformation unto Revival, I, right now, Right now, friends, I think we can look at the world and we just see this thing called identity. Identity issues are plaguing our world right now. And I got to be honest, I'm going to be, if you're new with us, welcome to the big people church, okay? That's not smashing anybody else. We are, I'm just not interested in placating you. I am interested in having favor with God, amen? Okay, my, my job as a pastor isn't to have favor with you, it's to have favor with him. And hopefully from there, you grow and you have favor with him. Amen? So when we preach, we preach. You look in the world right now and there's identity issues everywhere. Identity is this massive thing. And, and honestly, identity should be a massive thing. But, but the problem is we live in a world 
that is trying to butcher and remove the design. And that's a problem. But can I tell you the reason why that's happening? I'm not actually surprised by the world's antics. First of all, if you look back from Genesis on, if you look back from, we have 5,000 years of recorded human history, and most of that is from the word of God, okay? Even atheists, even these people who are denying a creator, they all understand that our history of the world comes from our text. We have 5,000 years of human history, okay? That's what we know. And in that 5,000 years, we've seen Babylon do the same thing that America's doing in 2022. We saw Rome do the same thing that America's doing in 2022. We saw Europe do it early in the 60s and the 70s, and then America got it. And this is going to continue on because we live in a broken, fallen world who is in desperate need of a Savior. Amen. Amen. And so right now, we have all these identity issues, and I'm actually not surprised because once you remove the designer, the next logical step is to remove the design. This doesn't surprise me. This doesn't surprise me. This shouldn't surprise you. We shouldn't be so caught off guard. We're all going, oh my gosh, look at the world. It's so dark and gnarly. Yeah, they don't have Jesus. What were you like left to your own devices before you met Jesus? If you don't live by a designer and a design, you will live by your own devices. And it's not surprising to me that the world has decided, you know what? We don't like your designer. We don't like his design. We're going to tear it all down, get rid of it all, toss it out, and you're just going to deal with it. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not actually surprised. What, what I am surprised by, however, is when Christians who know the designer, listen, 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 non-Christians, non-believers, people who don't, like Paul is very clear in Scripture, there's either you're part of the kingdom of light or you're part of the kingdom of darkness, Okay? You are either dead or you are alive. You are either saved or you are unsaved. You are either on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. Those are the options, okay? And we need to understand that because so often as Christians, we get so up in our head about these terms and we feel so harsh. And you're probably, some of us today are going, Pastor Matt, that's a little harsh. Let me remind you, you and me, we are not kinder than Jesus, we are not more merciful than Jesus. We are not the arbiters of grace and mercy and judgment of Jesus. He is. Okay? This is his word. This is his church. This is his house. This is his world. This is his throne. This is his kingdom. It's his way. Yeah. Amen? And so when we get all up in our head and we go, that sounds harsh, it's like, no, 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 no. It's never loving to partner with evil. It's never loving to partner with sin. It's never loving to partner with confusion. It's never loving to partner with dysfunction and discord. Amen. It's not. That's not what we're called to do. It's not who we are. Tolerance is the fruit of the Antichrist. This isn't even where I'm supposed to be going today, but the Lord is moving. Tolerance is the fruit of the Antichrist. Well, wasn't Jesus tolerant? No. If Jesus, wasn't to- if Jesus was tolerant, there'd be no reason for his sacrifice. Right. Jesus isn't tolerant. He sacrificed for your sin, and he sacrificed for their sin. There's still no remission for sin without the shedding of blood. It's just that Jesus did it on our behalf. But when we look at the church, there, we have our own identity issues coming on. We have our own identity issues happening in the church. We don't even need to sit here and just uh, judge and talk crap about how the world is doing things. We need to get our own house in order. When God's judgment comes, he always cleans house of his own house first before he cleans everyone else's house. Yeah. Why do you think we have so many pastors falling in pulpits? Because pastors... <laughs> We've wanted to grow in favor with you instead of in favor with God. So we've not told you the truth so that we can fill seats instead of fill his people. And that's just not who we are here. That's just not what we're called to do. God's given us too many words. He's made himself too known. He has came in our midst and he has done miracles and wonders and signs every single Sunday. Something happens in this room because he shows up and he shows off and he shows out. Why? Because we are a people that are wholly given over to him. But see, what happened, what's happening in the church right now is there's this identity issue. There's this identity issue because you and I, we have this relationship with the designer. We have this relationship with the designer. But for so many Christians, we too, and not even in just the sexual revolution way that we're seeing right now, but we too, in so many ways, more than one, we have forfeited the design. 
We have forfeited the design. Friends, when you forfeit the, the design, you forfeit the divine. When you forfeit the design, you forfeit the divine. You see, not only are we called to certain, yes, sexual ethics, sexual practices, ways of living, ways of not stealing, not murdering, all of those things, yes, but that's basic. That's from the jump. <laughs> Jesus literally just said, hey, be holy as I am holy. And we're supposed to go, yes. <laughs> we're supposed to go, yes, Lord. Yes and amen. Let it be so. It is finished. A thousand amens. A thousand hallelujahs. Yes, yes, yes. I want what you have and all that you are. Rid me of myself. Give me only you. And yet, right now we can look in the bride of Christ. There's these emerging two identities. We are just as bipolar and just as dysfunctional as the world is right now. It's just in different ways. Today, friends, I got to tell you, we, we, we cannot be reverent to his presence by trying to be relevant to the world. What association does light have with darkness? Absolutely none. But yet we're trying to do that way. We're trying to live that way. And friends, I got to tell you, it is not okay. Lying is never okay. It's a sin. Okay? So lying to the unbelieving world that they can be, belong before they behave and they can belong before they believe is a lie. You're welcome here. Come here, find Jesus here, become a part of the family here. But we are not the same until that moment happens. We are sons and we are daughters of the Most High God, and the Word of God says that you still have a father of lies. Just a part of it. For too long, we thought it was okay to lie to sinners and say, Welcome home to everybody. When that's just not the case, because this isn't home for you, and you will feel out of place until God becomes your father, and you've been adopted into a holy race. This is what it is. You see, right now in the church, there's this identity disorder that's emerging, you see, because right now we have people who are answering the call. We are one of those churches. We are answering the call. And it's Lord Jesus crying out to his bride and saying, hey, come away with me again. Come get weird with me again. Come believe me for greater things again. Come start laying hands on people again. Come start believing the prayers you're praying again. Come start acting like a Christian again. Come start believing like a Christian again. Come start being a peculiar people again. Come start living differently again. Come away with me. Come away. Start making church about me again. And then there's this other section of, of section of church. And trust me, friends, there should not be this division in the bride. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And the Lord is cleaning shop right now. There is a clear division that is happening in the bride of those who are going to be a presence given over people who live and exist to worship God and God alone. And everything that we get outside of that is our delight because he blessed us with it. Amen? And then there's those who are like, no, 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 no. We, we, we've got to fill seats. I don't, listen, I understand. You cannot disciple an empty chair. I get it. You can't disciple an empty chair. But I also can't disciple dead people. Can't disciple dead people. This kind, of, this kind of preaching doesn't grow a church. It grows Christians. It doesn't grow a church. It grows Christians. And that's what I'm here to do. That's what I've given my life for. That's why I'm going to die in Grand Rapids because God called us here for here, for Grand Rapids, for this world, for this time. If God wanted Charles Spurgeon, he'd have him here. But he doesn't. He wants you. He wants Joy. He wants Josh. He wants Scott. He wants Kayla. He wants you. Guys, George Whitfield died in the 13 colonies a long time ago. But Adrienne's living today. Hamza's living today. It's who we are. We were born for this. 
It's our mission. It's our mandate. And we don't get to blame the last 30 years of American Christianity for not equipping the saints. We can point it out. Seeker-friendly church hasn't worked. Why? Because deconstruction is on mass. Why we aren't going to preach deconstruction. We're going to preach reformation. See, friends, there's those people who are so concerned with filling seats instead of filling people with the presence of a living, tangible God. But I sense and I believe and I think I'm not the only one. There is, there is tents popping up all around our country right now, all around our nation that are experiencing the same things we're experiencing. The Holy Spirit is ready to blow on his people again, ready to move in their midst again, ready to equip them again. Amen. Right now we are on the cusp, I believe it, of the greatest revival America has ever seen. And for us, the Midwest region has ever seen. We will be a part of this great revival because if you look back throughout revival histories, you can do your own homework. It doesn't matter if it's America, the Hebrides in, in Scotland, in Wales, Welsh revival, the Toronto blessing. It doesn't matter where you go. When you look at the great revivals throughout world and church history, bless you. When you look at them, you recount their stories. What do you see? Revival in the church was always married with moral upheaval in the world. Revival in the church has always been partnered and paired up with moral upheaval in the world. And so we look right now, we're like, yeah, it's getting dark. Yeah, but the church should be getting brighter. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like oh, it's dark. And we're like, we're scared of the dark? We're the light. We push back the darkness. What are you talking about? Oh, the election didn't go our way. Is Jesus still on the throne? Well, we live in a society that wants to murder babies and butcher teenagers. Is Jesus on the throne? Are you a Christian? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the Word of God? Every great revival has been paired up and married to moral upheaval in the world. One of the things that revival always does is revival always reveals. Revival always reveals. You see, identity is the biggest factor in revival. Identity is the biggest factor in the church. Friends, revival will always reveal your identity. It'll, your identity determines what you believe. Your identity determines what you, uh, what, how you behave. Your identity uh, always determines the ability that you walk in. Come on, somebody, listen to me. Identity always determines the level of intimacy you have with the Lord. Belief, behavior, intimacy, and ability. Identity determines them all. Determines them all. What is it that you believe? What is it? that you don't believe about you that God has spoken over you? What is it about you that you don't believe that God in his word has said about you? Because all these things, how you behave determines what you believe. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. How you behave determines what you believe. Your identity is the most essential thing. If you don't believe you're a child of God, guess what? You won't act like a child of God. Right. Come on. If you don't believe you're a child of God, you won't worship like you're a child of God. If you don't believe, if you don't identify as one who is on a way, surefire sign going to hell, but Jesus rescued you, if you don't identify as a child of God, well, then you're not going to be laying hands on people at Walmart. probably not even going to go to Walmart. You're probably going to go to Target. Shots fired. No apologies. <laughs> I, there's, there's definitely a girl in here today. It's like, it's Target. And judging by Adrian's reaction, it is his wife, Allison. Uh, you're a bad man, and I'm a bad man for going with you there. All right, let's get back to the good man, Jesus. Um, but this is, this is the biggest truth. Your identity is the most essential thing about you. Our world, it makes sense why their identity is going haywire. 
why they're destroying everything. What doesn't make sense is when we have a relationship with that designer and yet we still forfeit his design. You see, friends, for the Christian, our design, our design, our design goes far beyond just all of the things the world is tearing down about themselves. Our design, it goes into this place where you and I, we are called to live in intimate relationship with Lord Jesus. You are called to live in intimate relationship with Lord Jesus. I think today, if you actually just ask yourself, hey, when's the, and this is going to sound weird, go with me, okay? Put your Christian hat on, take your world hat off. When's the last time you were intimate with Jesus? When's the last time you can say, I, I was in an intimate place with the Lord, where I just revealed everything about me to him? Not that he doesn't already know, but I just was disarmed in his presence. Where I laid down every shield, I laid down every crown, I laid down every false pretense, I laid down every barrier that I put up between me and the rest of society, and I just laid myself bare before the Lord, and he actually had the way and the ability to move and change me any which way he saw fit. Listen, you were designed for intimacy with the Lord. The problem is, church, if you don't believe that, you won't walk in the reality of it. If you don't believe your identity, you will not reap the fruit of your identity. If you don't believe it, you could proclaim, I am a child of God. But does your, does your life proclaim that? You and me, we're called to walk in a different nature, a new design, a new creation, something that's more reflective of heaven than is of earth. And yet, so many of us, we don't believe the word of God, so we never experience the power of God. Friends, if you don't believe the word of God, you won't experience the power of God. Listen, listen, listen. For definition's sake, reformation means a return to the word of God. Yeah. Revival means a return of the spirit of God. Listen, 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 listen. You will not walk in the power of God without first being found in the word of God. You will not walk out the power of God for your life without first believing the word of God. What's the word of God? Matt, every word that protrudes from the mouth of God. That's Bible, Logos, that's Holy Spirit, Rhema, and Rhema will never contradict Logos. And Logos will never contradict Rhema. Well, man, I heard this voice in my head, and how do I know? Is it found in the Word of God? You and I, we have our own mind that is sinful, that, de that needs desperate redemption and reformation by the Lord. We have got enemies and principalities and darkness, the devil, the demons, the angels, all of them that want to talk in your ear, politics and society and all of these things, friends and family who will try to lead you astray, different voices that will enter your head. But if the voice in your head violates what God said in his word, it is not his spirit. Amen? God doesn't violate himself. He doesn't violate his will. He doesn't violate his word. Well, I just believe God's doing a new thing. Well, guess what? Whenever God says I'm doing a new thing, it's always paired up with an old thing. That's right. Come on. Okay? Scripture still has to interpret Scripture. Even the Scripture, the Spirit is speaking to your heart. Still has to be viewed through Scripture. Just so you know. There's a reason this book is dangerous. There's a reason this book is banned. There's a reason you can teach gender theory in classrooms, but not the Bible. There's a reason. Because His Word is always powerful. His word is always powerful. Problem is, church, Christians aren't always faithful. Oh, come on. Come on. His word is always powerful, but Christians are not always faithful. God's word for your life, always, logos or rhema, always is powerful and power-filled. Christians are not always obedient and faithful. That's the reality. That's the reality. Why am I still chained up? Why am I still banged up? Why am I still living defeated? Why am I still down to the muck and the mire? Why do I feel like I am on the losing end of every single fight? When's the last time you were in the Word? When was the last time you applied the Word? When's the last time you looked up in the book of Matthew where Jesus is like, listen, 
it is better to cut off your hand than to continue to allow your hand to cause you to sin. One part of you should burn in hell, not the whole part of you. And you went, you know what? I probably should cancel Netflix. <laughs> you know what? I probably should cut my screen time in half. You know what? I should probably get off TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and quit listening to these idiots online who have no Bible school, who have no validation, who don't back anything up, and who all want to lie to you and lead you further into sin when everything they're saying contradicts the Word of God. I appreciate anybody this morning. And then we always go, yeah, but I like YouTube. Do you, you like holiness more? You like favor with God more? Well, I like hanging out with my friends. Don't you like hanging out with God more? Like, where, what do you value? Yes. If we can look at your identity, I can tell you what you value and what you don't. Yes. I can tell you by your identity what you find validation in and what you don't. Yes. Come on. I'm not to anybody this morning. We have to. If we're ever going to experience revival, we have to first be given over to reformation. Yes. There is an actual formation for your life, a design for your life. You were made to live a certain way under God's will, God's authority, God's stewardship, God's spirit, God's word. You were made for it. And everything doesn't mean that it's all hunky-dory and amazing and all these stuff, because guess what? You will face trials and troubles of many kinds. But Jesus said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Greater is the spirit that's in you than that is in the world. Amen. So you might be pressed on all sides, but you will never be defeated. Amen. See, listen, I love that song. All your promises are yes and amen. You know that one? Come on, sing it for me. All your one more time. All your I love that song, don't you? Because we're quoting Paul, and it's like, yeah, that makes me feel good. I'm in the minivan, WCSG is blaring, and it's like, all your promises are yes and amen. Except we're quoting Paul, but what Paul is speaking to is the backside, the fruit of a reformed life. A holy life, a set-apart life, a life completely given over to what Christ wants and has for you in your life. And so the only time His promises are fulfilled is when His Word has been found faithful in your life. That's the only time. Well, you know, Ecclesiastes says that uh, the sun shines on the, uh, the just and the unjust alike. Yeah? What's your argument? Well, I mean, you can, you can be blessed and not love Jesus. Yeah, but you can, you can be blessed and not know Jesus. <laughs> There's a way to be blessed and have Jesus. There's a way to be intimate with Jesus. There's a place that you can exist with Jesus where he knows you better than anybody and you know him better than anybody. There's a place for the Christian that we get to enter into at a level of identity that will blow your mind. You see, I love the book of Acts. We could camp out in the book of Acts forever and never grow tired of it. Never grow tired of it. There would always be meat on the bone. I have preached on Acts 2 so many times in my life, and yet God just keeps going. There's more meat. There's more meat. Turn that bone around. Turn that scripture upside down. Start reading more. No, no, no. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And there's always more meat because it's the living Word of God. It goes out and doesn't return void. Amen. And so I love the book of Acts, and I love looking at this because this is the birth. This is the birth of the church. We read this, and we just think, oh, that's a really cool thing that God did. No, no, no. Listen, this whole thing that we have right now, 2,000 years of church history, was birthed out of what we just read. They were disciples in a camp with Jesus, and now in Acts 2, they are the church of Christ. They are the body and the bride of Christ. Amen. You know what you don't find in Acts 2? Identity disorder. <laughs> the only people who are confused are the outsiders. The only people who don't understand that God has a plan for their life are the outsiders. The only people in Acts 2 who are like, what is this thing called Jesus? Are people on the outside. But what's amazing to me in Acts 2 is we see this moment with the Lord where he comes and he blows his spirit on them again. He fills them with his Holy Spirit. He comes upon them. 
We see tongues of fire dancing above, signs of wonders and miracles. Listen, revival always supersedes reformation. Comes afterwards. Comes afterwards. What we see here in Acts 2 is the fruit of that. We see revival, but what happens in Acts 2 is only because they were faithful in reformation. They returned to the word of God. Today, if I can butcher some sacred cows, we have a lot of Christians who are chasing signs and wonders. When Jesus says signs and wonders will follow Christians. Quit chasing signs and wonders and going church to church and searching for God to do something. Get faithful in his word. Signs and wonders follow us. We don't follow signs and wonders. That's not the directive of the church. That's not who we're called to be. There are non-Christians who can move in signs and wonders that are demonic. We don't follow fairy fun stuff. We bring the power of God with us. Amen. And so what we see here in Acts 2 is amazing. We see a revival unlike any other. It is the birth of the church. And what I find incredible about the birth of the church, signs, wonders, miracles, all these amazing things, and yet these boys and these girls are deemed as uneducated, but they've been with Jesus. The book of Acts tells us, man, they are some dumb Jewish believers. And they are some idiot Greeks, but they've been with Jesus. And what's amazing is that we live in 2022, and we've, we have all the tools, don't we? We've got all the seminaries. We've got all the Bible colleges. We've got all the YouTube videos and the TikTok videos. We've got all the commentaries. We've got all the translations of the Bible. We could go and find any NT right somewhere. We can do whatever. We have all of these resources and yet very few of us have even tasted and seen a scratch or a sniff of what they experienced in Acts 2. We have all of the tools they did not, but they've been with Jesus. Friends, does our life show unbelievers that we've been with Jesus? Ask yourself. Ask yourself. Now do people think you're a nice person? Now do people think that they can trust you with confidence and issues? But no, no, no. Does, does your life, does it show the unbeliever, the Gentile, the person who doesn't know God at all? But do they go, but they've been with Jesus? I think that's an honest question we need to evaluate. I think if we're going to pierce the veil, if we're going to learn to occupy that intimate place with the Lord, it can't just be by power and might. It has to be by his spirit. It has to be by discipleship. We are going to live and exist and occupy the place of intimacy by becoming disciples of intimacy. Well, Pastor Matt, what do you mean? Have you been with Jesus? These dumb, uneducated boys, the jailer says, but they've been with Jesus. Peter, who denied Jesus the day he was crucified three times, and one of them was to a little girl. A little girl came out to him. Hey, you know the guy that's getting hung right now? No, I've never seen him before. St. Peter, who lobbed the guy's ear off with a sword, and Jesus had to put it back on. That guy is now the leader of the early church. Holy Spirit falls on him in this upper room and 120 other people. But if we're ever going to have the revival of Acts 2, we first have to have the reformation of Luke 24 and Acts 1. You see, in those scriptures, Dr. Luke, he recorded the book of Acts. And he's a doctor, so he's very thorough. He's very thorough. He doesn't leave anything out. He likes all the nitty-gritty details because he is a physician. So he has all the details. And Jesus, Jesus, he ascends. He comes, he comes back from hell. And before he goes to heaven, he appears to his disciples. Now, Paul records in Corinthians that Jesus, he didn't just appear to 11. Minus, obviously, minus Judas. <laughs> R.I.P., bro. But he appeared to 500 disciples, is what Paul records. Jesus, on the day he came back from hell, before he ascended into heaven, he appeared to 500 disciples. Are you hearing me? 500 disciples. 
And we know that between the Ascension and Pentecost is 10 days. Are you following my math? And on that 10th day in the upper room, there was not 500 people there. There was 120. What does that mean? That means that 120 people value the word of God. Listen, Jesus, he, he was with these disciples for three years. They did life with him, intimate life with him. Everywhere, saw all the crazy things, all the miracles, went through all the hardships, got chased out of cities, chased out of towns, put their hands on lepers without fear of getting disease, but trusting the spirit of God to heal through them, okay? Amen. Listen, we love this verse, right? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. God's word is always powerful and power-filled. Christians are not always faithful. When he preached that, when he said that to the disciples and he sent them out in twos and in seventies and he sent them out, guess what he did? He spoke that word, and in his word was power. But if they didn't lay hands on the sick, how many know the sick wouldn't be healed? If they didn't lay hands on the dead, how many know the dead wouldn't be raised? If they didn't put hands on the lepers, how many know lepers weren't going to be cleansed? Am I preaching to anybody? How many of you know if they didn't pray and cast out demons, guess what would happen? Casting out demons. The word of God is always powerful, but Christians aren't always obedient. And so all of a sudden, here they are, and... Jesus, he comes back and he appears to 500 disciples and he's saying, listen, stay, wait until. Well, well, hold on, Jesus, for three years we were going, 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 doing, 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 and now you want me to pump the brakes? What? You said to go into all the world, preach the gospel, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, heal the sick. You told us to go from Judea into all the ends of the earth, and now you're saying, stay, wait? Until, Jesus says, stay, wait, until my Father clothes you with power from on high when he fills you with the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. That word clothe is the same word for the word anoint. What does the word anoint mean? It means to smear. It means to smother. It means to completely engross you, cover you, smear you. Completely smear. You ever been anointed with oil before, right? You understand what this means? It means being consecrated. It means being set apart. It's the same thing they did with the blood over the doorposts at Passover in the Old Testament to anoint. It's the same way they consecrated their priests. They anointed their heads with oil. It's the same thing that a shepherd does when he pours oil on the heads of the lamb to keep insects from getting in its ears. Amen? So I guess you could say when God clothes you, it is to protect you. It's God clothes you, it's to mark you. When God clothes you, it's to empower you. Listen, he smears, but what does he smear you with? It says power. What is that word power? Dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. dunamis. It's this word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamo, dynamite. That's where that comes from. But it's this explosive power, but that actually does it very little justice because when Jesus says dynamo, dynamite, dynamis, when he is explaining this, Jesus isn't talking about bing, bang, boom, wow. He's not. He's talking about God's power. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in us, Paul records. Amen. So the same spirit that acted upon Jesus when he was both fully man and fully God here in the flesh, being the example for us, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, if we don't understand our identity will never be clothed in dynamis, anointed in dynamis, walking out the power. Well, Matt, what does this have to do with Reformation? Well, this is big because this is the whole deal, right? Jesus, before this, he had told the boys, no, 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 you got you to gotta, you gotta understand where I'm going. You cannot go with me, but God will send another. I have a third part of me. He is the Holy Spirit. He will fill you and he will guide you and greater works will you do than even I. We have a hard time having greater good days than even Jesus, let alone greater works, right? We have a greater hard time getting to church than greater works. And no offense to get the snowpocalypse, but do you hear what I'm saying? We have a harder time staying pure unto marriage, let alone greater works. Listen, 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 the birth of Acts 2 of the church we were never meant to try and get back to. We were supposed to grow out of. That's first grade. And yet we're like super seniors in elementary school. <laughs> I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. 
Listen, listen, listen. If you don't know what's available to you, you'll never walk in what's available to you. We have to grow. We have to grow. And how are we going to do that? Reformation. We have to return to the Word of God every single time. I want to see the greatest revival that will ever break out in our Midwest region. But friends, if we don't get a greater love and value for the Word of God in the Christian first, we'll never see it. And if we see it, we won't be able to steward it. And if we can't steward it, we'll never keep it. We'll never keep it. The only reason people think revivals aren't meant to last is because they've never stewarded them well. Who told you God packed up his bags and left? Who told you God took his hand off of movement? Who told you God removed his hand from the Toronto blessing? Who told you that? Where did you read that? Where in our book of the Bible that God tells us about himself, self-explanatory, did he say, no, I'm done with that? Never. So there has to be a way for the church, for the body, for the bride of Christ to actually occupy who she's called to be. And I believe it's going to be through Reformation. Hear me out. Check this out. Day of Pentecost, 120 are in the upper room. Day of Ascension, Jesus appeared to 500 people. 500 disciples that he did life with. 500. 120. What happened to the 380 people? Did they start up in the upper room? And there's all 500 people just in there, and we got wives and babies, and things are going on, and all of a sudden, they're like, okay, Jesus, we're going to listen to you. We're going to listen to you. We'll stay. We'll wait. We've been trained to go, go, go. But if you said, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. How haughty and arrogant are we to say we give God the benefit of the doubt? Stupid. Oh, God, if you said it, I guess uh, I'll wait. No, if God said it, we just obey. Amen. God, we, we are such an arrogant creature, aren't we? So silly. So silly. And so I just imagine these 500 disciples, and the third day gets here. And a lot of them are Jewish, and so they're going, it's the third day. It's the third day. This is going to be it, guys. This is going to be it. Holy Spirit's going to come today. It's the third day. Well, why is that? Because it's resurrection. There's always new life. Third means new life in the Jewish calendar, the Jewish words, and the Jewish numerology. New life on the third day, guys. We're going to get the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit doesn't come. And then some of them leave. And then all of a sudden the sixth day comes around and then there's like 400 of them. They're like, all right, guys, this is it. This is it. It's the, it is the sixth day. You know what that means? Completion. Tomorrow we rest. We're going to rest in the new glory of the Holy Spirit. Come on, guys. It's done. It is finished. Sixth day. Yes. And then no Holy Spirit. Well, then the eighth day comes around and there's like, you know, 200 of them at this point. And they're like, all right, this is it for sure, guys. I know some people have left us. I know some people have gone. I know some people have been naysayers, but this is the eighth day. This is the new beginning. That is what it means in Jewish numerology. The new beginning. Yes, it's a new beginning. We're going to have a new beginning. And then nothing happened. And suddenly that which can be shaken has been shaken, and that which can't has remained. And suddenly on the 10th day, there's 120 people left in the upper room. And on that 10th day, what do we see? Revival. What do we see? Holy Spirit. What do we see? God's word comes to fruition. Listen here. If God has given you a word... Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that you get to resign yourself or forfeit the weight. You don't get to forfeit the call because you haven't seen the fruition of it yet. Why? Because God's word and the power in it will always outlast your will. Yes. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Your will to remain is the only thing that will keep you in the will of God. You have got to be feverish about this. You've got to be zealous about this. You have got to be reformed about this. What does that mean? Again, returning to the word of God. So many of us as Christians, well, what's next? I don't know. Were you faithful in the last word? Hey, I just, I just feel like I'm in a season right now. I just really need like a fresh word from God. Did you fulfill the last word he gave you? How about just be holy as I'm holy in his word? Did, did, are you fulfilling that one? Well, I just feel like I need, I need a promotion at work. Okay, how's your, how's your sexual life? Are you remaining pure before you're married? 
It doesn't grow churches, but it grows Christians. Yeah, 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 but I just, I just, I really just need a new job. Yeah, yeah, but, but how are you thinking about this one? Oh, my coworkers just suck. Do they suck or does your attitude suck? Because I don't remember a lot of people being like, having a hard time getting along with Jesus. So how are you being when you're at work? How are you ministering to them? And maybe you're in a tough place because you're a tough person and God can trust you in the tough places, but you're just disgruntled and want to get out. Have you been faithful in the last word? I mean, like this is literally how we have to begin to think on these things. God is so intricate in his design for you and me. He is the designer, the creator. He has a way and a method for you and I to be living. We're just selfish and we miss it. And it's like, no, there's a blessing in the pressing. You're just trying to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, return to the word of God until he fulfills the word of God. Man, there is power in his promise. But do you really think you can live outside of his will and he will give you his promise? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is who we are called to be. You see, I think about these days, these 10 days, and I think about Peter just being an idiot, uneducated guy, but he's been with Jesus. And on that third day when people are leaving, he's like, no, 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 guys, listen, this is Jesus. We can trust him. No, third day, resurrection didn't happen. Nope, no Holy Spirit, we're out. And he's trying to reform. He's going, no, no, this is Jesus. Don't you remember what he did with us? Don't you remember how he raised Jarius' daughter from the dead? Don't you remember how that woman reached out and touched the hem of his garment and she was healed of 12 years of a blood issue? Don't you remember? Come on, we can give him more than three days, can't we? Nope, we're out. Sixth day comes, and Peter, he's trying to reform. He's like, no, guys, listen, you can't go. Stay, I know, I know, I know what it means in Jewish thing, but God's doing a new thing. He is, he is God, he is Jesus, like we can trust him. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the only one with the words of life. We can trust him. Nope, sixth day, we're out. Eighth day, new beginning. I'm gonna get a new beginning outside this room with all you smelly people and your children who are crying. New day out there, and, and, and Peter's going, no, 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 guys, listen, listen, listen. I walked on the water with him. I walked on the water with him and he stilled a storm around me. And when my faith was weak, he picked me up and we walked back to the boat together. He didn't carry me. That's what scripture records and he's reforming. He's reforming, he's reforming. He's saying, come on guys, we're never gonna have the revival of the Holy Spirit if we don't reform to the word of God. If we don't get back to the word of God, if we don't get back to what Jesus has said. And these guys are all sitting here going, you know, I know that he said he went down and he struck Satan in the face, but maybe Jesus took a couple shots himself and he's a little confused and they leave. And Peter's like, no, stay, wait until if you, if you haven't gotten the fruition of your word, you won't have permission to leave. If you haven't had the fruition of the word, you don't have God's permission to leave. And yet, so many did. But the 120 who reformed experienced revival. Amen. Yep, Worship crew, you can make your way up here. Listen. Here's what I firmly believe happened. We see this moment in scripture where God does amazing things. And I believe this is the design for the Christian. Paul, at one point in Hebrews, he goes on and he says, we have got to grow beyond the elementary things of simply Christ crucified, salvation, healing, and miracles. He's saying there's more. He's not saying we do away with this. He's saying we grow from this. There's a great work to do. We're supposed to be speaking to the Constantines and the Neros. We're supposed to be seeing Hollywood saved and resurrected. We can't leave it up for the good people at the Chosen to do all of the work. We've got to invade the darkness ourselves. Paul's saying all of these things that happen in the upper room, all these things that happen in Acts, we've actually got to grow beyond this and apply this and implement this into our lives and friends. I believe we're going to be a church that looks more like the 120 and less like the 380 that left. Because we're going to keep returning to the Word of God. Can I tell you, would you stand? I just want you to receive this right now. I think I've got a revelation 
for you and your life in this house, in our church, in our region, that honest to God, I think if we just got this revelation on the inside of us today, we would leave forever changed, forever empowered, forever clothed with the power of God. Listen, when God clothes you with power, it's not just that some prayers are answered. It's not just that some peace is given. It's not just that you have access to some things on some days and some other things on other days and no things on these days. No, 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 no. This is the living, true God on the inside of you. I think there's some people in the upper room, the 120, they had an intimacy with God. And the 380, they had a familiarity with God. There's a difference between familiarity with God and intimacy with God. 380 of them, they were familiar with what Jesus said, stay, wait, until. And then there was 120 that was intimate with stay, wait, until. How do you know if you're a familiar or an intimate? How do you know if you're just familiar with God or you're an intimate son of God, an intimate daughter of God? How do you know? The difference between familiarity and intimacy is honor. 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 The intimate honor the Word of God in their life, the familiar don't. The intimate who walk in power, who are commissioned to do greater works, they honor the Word of God in their life above their feelings, above their ideas, above their preferences, above their wants, above their fallen nature above their friends, above their families, above whatever it is that would speak against the Word of God in and over their lives. They honor it. And that's what brings them close. When you can trust God in everything He says, He can trust you with everything He has. But the familiar, the visitors, the shakable ones, the people who only honor the Word of God when it's benefit to their comfort zone. 3rd day, they'll leave. 6th day, they bounce. 8th day, they can't hang in. And 10th day, they miss out. What is the difference between familiarity and intimacy with God. Your honor of His Word in your life. So we're going to worship and we're going to sing a song called Refiner. And if you got to go, hey, no worries. But if you want to stay and you want to worship and you want to be refined and you want to lean into this Word and you want to honor God's Word in your life and lean into that intimacy with Him, this is a moment for you. There's a rug up here. You can be on your knees. You can walk around. You can be on your face on the concrete. You can take communion again if you just feel like you need to get his body and blood on the inside of you and have a reverent moment with him. Whatever you like. But there's more available to us today than we've either scratched or sniffed or tasted or seen yet. And I'm not content for my life, for our life, for my marriage, for my family to go without when God says, come within and we'll be here. You can have it all. So Father God, right now, I just thank you. I thank you right now, King Jesus, that you, you allow us to honor you. You allow us, God. Everything that you do is miracle, God. Everything you do is the miraculous, God. Everything about you, the sheer fact that we could be in this church today, God, 
that we are in America today, God, instead of in like North Korea or something, God. The sheer fact that we're here in this state, at this time, at this morning, on this day, God, it is miraculous. And we honor you in that. We honor you, God. We recognize, God, that you are a greater author than we are. That you have a God-authored life available to every single one of us. It is just found in the place that we honor you in. It is found in the life that we honor your word in. So today, God, we say enough with the familiarity. Welcome us into the intimacy. We will honor you with our life. We will honor your word in our life. We will honor your word in our identity. We will honor your word in our intimacy. We will honor your word in our sexuality. We will honor you in our thoughts. We will honor you in our marriages. We will honor you in our single seasons. We will honor you. God, we want to be heralds of your presence that say we honor you, King Jesus. We honor you in every area. So, Father God, right now, we ask if we'll honor you again, will you welcome us into that place of intimacy? Will you meet us there? Will you pull us into the veil, remove every effort of having to pierce? But pull us in, God, pull us close. We don't want to be just familiar with you. We want to be intimate with you. And we will honor you every step, every day. 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 years, 10 minutes. We will honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, let's worship.